Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to the playoffs. We've got play-in matchups coming at you this week. One game or two games, winner go home. Cavs, Nets, Hawks, Hornets, Clippers, Timberwolves, Spurs, Pelicans, all fighting for their lives this week. Use the link in the description to this episode to sign up and get a 50% welcome bonus using the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, when you make your deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take it easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it's a podcast welcome in everybody it is april 15th according to my count it may not be that according to your count but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever you may be listening over 900 episodes here on the Take It Easy podcast, and we've got another fantabulous one coming at you here on this fantabulous Friday. While you're listening, download some of our previous episodes. We talked to DSD this week and Morgan from Australia about the NBA playoffs, and we also talked about Cam Newton with Morgan. We talked to Rob Parker this week. He does radio for Fox Sports. That's pretty cool. We got to chat with him. We got to do our Garoppolo Memes of the Weekend update. We got to have a fun podcast with Walter Mitchell on Tuesday. It was so great. We talked Masters coverage and athlete body types. It was so good. So download all of those while you're listening to this episode. And that is my seamless segue into our first topic of the day here today. Because last Friday in what is like to be called a Friday news dump on the sports calendar, which is... Everyone's going into the weekend late on a Friday night, and so if you're trying to drop news that gets lost in the news cycle, you usually drop it on the uh, on the Friday night or Friday afternoon when everyone's kind of going into the weekend and there's no sports talk for the next, shall we say, two days, although we always bring you, or at least consistently bring you wired up on the weekends as well to break down sports news. So Friday news dump last week, Tom Brady... And we, we touched on this with DSD, but Friday News Dump, Tom Brady had orchestrated his retirement as a plan to then assume ownership of the Miami Dolphins along with Sean Payton and for him to be essentially a part-time owner and president of the team, that his service as president of the team was going to be his way into ownership and that was going to be like working for free to pay for his ownership stake in the team and then ultimately the Dolphins would trade uh, Tom Brady 
from the Buccaneers, either within the year or by the time training camp rolled around. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would oblige because you're going to get no value for Tom Brady. And then Tom Brady, as a part-time general manager and president, would be quarterbacking the Miami Dolphins at 46 or 45 and 46 years old. It was an absolutely batshit crazy plan that would have happened because the person who matters in this equation, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, was totally on board with this situation. And the thing that nuked it, according to Ben Volan and Mike Florio, was the fact that the Brian Flores lawsuit dropped on the day that Tom Brady made that quote-unquote retirement statement that didn't thank the New England Patriots. But it wasn't a retirement for Tom Brady. It was a goodbye to Tampa Bay, phrased in the form of a retirement because Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington had reported that Tom Brady was going to unretire. And it's an absolutely crazy, crazy story. And it's all pretty much vera 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 wow vera bi wow vera wow that is really bad oh my gosh i can't say verifiably that's what i was trying to do wow as a professional orator that was really bad anyways so tom brady is back with the buccaneers because his entire plan un blew up in his face and he's like oh shit what am i going to do now and so after that blew up in his face and Sean Payton was out and Stephen Ross was out and the NFL was out on the idea, Tom Brady kind of just looked around at the landscape for, for, of the league for a month, went to the Glazers, and basically got Brian, uh, Bruce Arians ousted as the head coach. As a condition of his return, Tom, I mean, this one, by the way, is allegedly, allegedly Tom Brady got Bruce Arians ousted as head coach because he didn't like the fact that Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich would assemble the game plans every week and then Bruce Arians would come in with the metaphorical red marker after not being in the meetings for the week and kind of like X things out and change things and that was kind of the beef they had at the start of 2020 where Tom Brady was like let me run the offense more and then Bruce Arians stopped changing stuff and the Buccaneers didn't lose a single game the rest of 2020 on their way to the Super Bowl. And Bruce Arians, by the way, kind of went back on that in the end. And then he's like hitting a player on the sidelines and cutting Antonio Brown, which Tom Brady didn't like. And all of that stuff is like, okay, makes sense. Tom Brady, power struggle, Bruce Arians. Tom Brady wins the power struggle. We talked about that when Tom Brady unretired. And we touched on it on Monday. We touched on it with Morgan from Australia. I'm sorry, we touched on it with Cam DSD on Thursday. I mentioned it very briefly with Walter when we were doing our podcast last week. And Tom Brady is in a really, really interesting place where this story isn't going public in the news cycle. And yet it's Tom Brady, which everyone is infinitely fascinated in. So why is this a story that can wait a week? I have a little bit of a theory. And as I do this explanation, it's going to take one big leap, okay, in doing the explanation of how this comes to be and why this isn't a massive news story where I can go a week in the off-season time of the NFL when NFL draft talk isn't as dominant as it was last year. I think everyone went a little crazy with NFL draft talk last year, including myself. And so even at a time when the NFL is just not in the news cycle right now, you still have a dominant 
storyline around Tom Brady that isn't going viral because Tom Brady would have essentially been a acting president and starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, which is kind of crazy to think about and threatened to nuke the entire Dolphins situation. And it makes the Plan C Dolphins thing make so much more sense, makes so much more sense sense that this plan C Dolphins thing that I joked about back in February where they get Mike McDaniel as their plan C head coach which presumably was their plan D head coach because they wanted Sean Payton and they wanted to get Jim Harbaugh and then they interviewed Dayball and he took the Giants job so McDaniel was their plan C head coach and still might get fired after one season just because the power in Miami wants to instill Sean Payton as the head coach and Tom Brady as the president. Maybe the plan is nuked at this point, but at the very least, it's a possibility. So why is this not a bigger news story when people care so much about Tom Brady? Because you hear the thing I complain about more recently with Tom Brady. Like when we were first learning how to do this thing, I really hated Tom Brady because my entire childhood, I hated Tom Brady. And then I realized it was dumb to hate Tom Brady. I wasn't gaining anything from it. So I went to the Appreciate Greatness camp, and I am appreciate greatness on all sports stars. The problem is, we don't appreciate greatness of anyone unless it's Tom Brady. For some reason, Tom Brady is the only one whose greatness we appreciate. And also Peyton Manning's, but that has to do with NFL propaganda. So, anyways... We're going to talk about Tom Brady a little bit, why this isn't a news story, why this is super interesting, et cetera, et cetera, and then I'm going to make one giant leap at the end. So all of this is going to be like narrative story arc, and then I'm going to make one leap, and when I'm going to make the leap, I'm going to tell you. So Tom Brady has been not the best NFL quarterback of the last 20 years, but far and away the most popular athlete of the last 20 years You could argue across sports, but let's say NFL specifically, because Tom Brady was kind of bemoaned when he was the Patriot way guy. He was smaller. Nothing was bigger than the Patriots for 18 years. And then Tom Brady bucked back against that trend and got Jimmy Garoppolo traded in 2018, confirmed by the book by Seth Wickersham. And so as Tom Brady gets into his 40s, he starts realizing that he has more power than he lets on. And decides to start using that power. That the the power was always ceded to Belichick. Brady had the power. He had the iron fist. He just didn't use it. Because as much as the NFL is not like the NBA in that they don't want to give players power, they inadvertently did give two players power in the early 2000s. When the NFL was going from America's most popular sport in the 90s to monopoly over all other sports in the 2000s and 2010s to the place now where the NFL does 50 million for playoff ratings while basketball does 20 million for playoff ratings and it's the next closest thing that gets close to the NBA or that gets close to the NFL. The NFL has a monopoly on the sports landscape and the way they did that was by selling people Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Which means they gave the power to Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, despite the fact that I learned watching Family Guy last week that Peyton Manning assaulted a woman in college and it kind of just disappeared. And they character smeared this woman and destroyed her career. I did not know this was a thing. And I learned about it this week, even though that's a real thing that happened. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, faces of corporate NFL because they could sell that rivalry to casual sports fans. And 
the reason that the NFL still sells Tom Brady and Peyton Manning is because the sport found a new audience in the early 2000s and into the 2010s, and they did it by selling Patriots Colts, Patriots Colts, Patriots Colts, Patriots Colts, and then it was Patriots Broncos, Patriots Broncos, Patriots Broncos. That was the sport for 12 years. It wasn't that they were always the best players in the sport. They were just the pieces that the NFL could sell. The Mannings being the first family of football, thanks to Peyton Manning, enter Eli Manning, wins a championship in 2008 against the Patriots. We can sell that. We can sell that to fans, and you see after that Super Bowl a spike in interest in the NFL headed into the 2010s. You can sell the Manning, Peyton Manning specifically, but you can also sell his brother as a package, another going to be a Hall of Famer, even though he's not worthy of the Hall of Fame, but it fits the narrative arc. So propaganda NFL is going to elect him into the Hall of Fame and Peyton Manning along with Tom Brady. And it benefited the NFL that Tom Brady in 2013, when he was 36 years old, and this was in the, or I think it was 2000, yeah, 2013, when he was 36 years old, he said to Seth Wickersham and said everywhere, I want to spend the next 10 years of my life playing football until 45 years old. How can I take care of my body in such a way, in benefit with the NFL changing all the rules for Tom Brady after he tore his ACL? Because it was really bad for business when Tom Brady tore his ACL the year after winning the Super Bowl. I'm going to play until I'm 45 years old. He said in 2013, how can I play until I'm 45 years old? And Alex Guerrero looked at him and said, let's get to work. And so Tom Brady, for the next 10 years, wins four championships, has another Hall of Fame career, and commands the respect of everyone in that way. And the mythology is built up around Tom Brady, especially after 28-3. to The mythology of Tom Brady is built up in a way that universal respect is applauded across Tom Brady because he's delivered some of the biggest moments in the history of football and even the most begrudging fans give him the respect after 28-3. to It's like this is unprecedented, impossible, and it's happened because of the Patriots. And so this is when Tom Brady begins to start using his power. It starts in 2018 when he gets Jimmy Garoppolo traded. Like Bill Belichick is... Calling the four, according to Seth Wickersham reports, and Don Van Nata both did the reporting on this. Tom Brady calls the Tom Brady tell, or I'm sorry, Bill Belichick calls the 49ers, and the 49ers are interested in Jimmy G, and he offers Tom Brady. He wants to go with Jimmy Garoppolo as the transition from Tom Brady. And Tom Brady went over Bill Belichick's head and went to Robert Kraft. And told Robert Kraft, I'm, I don't want this to happen. And Robert Kraft sided with Brady and said at the time, Brady will get to finish how Brady finishes and made Bill Belichick trade Jimmy Garoppolo against, against Bill Belichick's better football interests. Now, ultimately, the Patriots still win another championship after that happens. But against Bill Belichick's best football interest, he decides, I want to move forward with Jimmy Garoppolo over Tom Brady. Which, by the way, probably would have been incorrect, and at the same time, probably better for the Patriots because that relationship had worn thin. Like, choosing Tom Brady over Jimmy Garoppolo for the last five years would have been a good decision, but Tom Brady was inevitably going to win the power within the Patriots organization, and after that, Bill Belichick wasn't willing to concede the power to Tom Brady for better or for worse. 
And so Tom Brady, after 2019, where there's, you know, credible reporting done by Wickersham in the book, take a shot if you're listening right now, because every time I mention, I read the 17-hour audiobook on Tom Brady and Bill Belichick by Seth Wickersham, Tom Brady looked around and said, what the hell am I doing here? And set himself up in a way where he could leave New England after 2019 And he held all the power in what would end up becoming the biggest free agent story in the NFL. And it happened at the time when we were headed into the COVID-19 pandemic. People forget that March 11th, pandemic begins. March 15th, Tom Brady signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so you have a full offseason to continue building up this narrative arc after for 20 years the NFL has been selling a certain segment of their audience on Tom Brady and Peyton Manning propaganda. Because there are casual football fans who, if you ask them, what do you know about the NFL, they will say Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. That is a casual segment of football fans who football, sports are like a a sometimes entertainment thing for them. Like they know sports, they can name half the teams in sports, and yet they will watch a football game on a Sunday if they're bored. And that's an audience that everyone's trying to capture is people who aren't into your sport now. How can you draw them in? And in the 2000s, that's where the NFL gets a boom of people and boom of interest because they sell that amazing rivalry between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And so the NFL continues selling that to a certain segment of the population. And it's kind of done through their media outlets like ESPN and NFL Network and all of this stuff. Like, that's part of the effort is to continue building up the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning propaganda for the NFL. The NFL uses NFL Network, which again, NFL Network is a propaganda arm of the NFL. And ESPN is a corporate partner who is conflicted with the NFL because the NFL holds a lot of power because they possess a product that is invaluable to ESPN and is invaluable to Fox Sports as well, and invaluable to NBC to a certain extent. NBC and CBS and Fox and ABC, but ABC is an extension of ESPN. Not as, like, indirectly they're not as important there, but they the football still single-handedly keeps the cable television industry alive. Not that, you know, NBC or CBS would go under without the NFL, ESPN might go under without the NFL. Like, if they couldn't have NFL rights, they might go under as a, as a media entity. And so the NFL uses ESPN and NFL Network as semi... Like, NFL Network propaganda, ESPN influence. They can't totally be propagandists, but they have a major level of influence on the content that is aired on ESPN, which, by the way, is where a lot of NFL fans, casual NFL fans, like people who watch NFL, know NFL, follow the drama of the NFL, you're getting your information from news clips on ESPN and news clips on NFL Network, which I bemoan because people would be much more educated sports fans if they weren't getting the NFL propaganda, but the NFL propaganda is easy to digest and it gives people something to talk about with other sports fans because if everyone's engaging in the same content, it makes it easy to fo- to talk about with other people and generate interest in. So I understand why NFL propaganda is so interesting to people. 
it worked for me as a child. Like I spent most of my childhood watching ESPN and an exorbitant amount of sports because it was my way of coping with really difficult stuff in my childhood. And so I understand that point. I used to be that person. And over time, I've realized just, you know, by listening to people who have different perspectives, different opinions and different viewpoints that, hey, this this thing is a little bit of a propaganda machine for better or for worse. It's just not giving you the most accurate picture, which, by the way, this is the same thing as cable news outlets, which have massive influence on the political parties in America. This has ways that we get information from newspapers and social media companies. They also feel influence from political parties in America and both feed into levels of propaganda. It's why the fake news revolution of the 2010s that took a hatchet to journalism as much as the fact that print journalism kind of miscalculated in the technological revolution of giving their product away for free before moving to paywall systems. And when you give something away for free and then ask someone to pay for it, they aren't as inclined to pay for it. They'll find other free options such as Twitter to bring in their news, which by the way, this is a psychology thing that's getting off the line a bit, but this is how this works. The NFL is following a playbook that exists all throughout the world. And so Tom Brady propaganda and Peyton Manning propaganda appeals to a broader audience than say even Patrick Mahomes or even Josh Allen or even Kyler Murray, which we'll talk about after this Tom Brady story. And so Tom Brady is something that generates a ton of interest with people. And it's a huge benefit to the NFL that Tom Brady continues to play as long because you can sell the Tom Brady storyline over and over again. They sold it in 2020 during the pandemic. They sold the hell out of Brady versus Mahomes in the Super Bowl as the new Brady versus Brady himself and the GOAT conversations and all of that stuff that is incredibly simplistic but is also the way that people who don't watch sports as much engage with sports is through simple conversations like that that the NFL would rather you have than look at this lawsuit for racial discrimination over here. Look at our toxic workplace investigation over here. Look at all these terrible hiring practices that we have. Look how terrible our culture is. Look at all the nepotism in our coaching hires. And look at all these white billionaires who happen to skirt any and all consequences as long as they have allies within the NFL and look at the propaganda that they're selling you that makes you feel good and look at all the money that you're spending and look at all the emotional stability you're investing in this thing that really, really doesn't matter. Instead of focusing on that, how about we focus on Tom Brady and Kyler Murray and use our propaganda arms to sell casual sports fans? And by the way, I don't say casual sports fans as an insult at all. It's just that in the modern era, there are so many new great forms of entertainment that are available that you don't have to be a sports fan. There's so much entertainment that's really, really high quality competing for your attention. Streaming services create a vacuum where television used to be six, seven, eight, even 20 years ago, it used to just be like 20 to 25 channels. Or you could go up to 100 channels if you really wanted to pay for cable. You could get 20 to 100 television channels. Now you have infinite streaming service options with tons of money being poured into content. I saw like billions upon billions of dollars last year were being poured into streaming content and cable television content and all of that stuff. There's just so many different entertainment options in television and movies. Video games 
are so high quality and have their own subculture the same way sports has a gigantic subculture. There are so many different forms of entertainment out there now that you don't have to be a sports fan. There are so many alternative options than there were 20, 30, 40 years ago for entertainment. In fact, there's, I would argue, way too much entertainment available. I enjoy reading books and I substitute human interaction and reading books for watching sports sometimes. I don't even get into television and movies and, uh, and, and video games or even like recreational activities and things like that. Like all sorts of things, are, not to mention stand-up comedy. I love doing stand-up comedy. Like that's another booming industry of entertainment that exists now. And all of these things are competing for dollars and attention in the entertainment budget. And some people expand their entertainment budgets, but the more likely scenario is that everyone gets a slightly smaller piece of the pie. And so one of the things that's interesting about the NFL in this way is that the NFL has added intrigue in an era where there's so many more entertainment options as the one king sport great at selling propaganda and all of us are just a little bit addicted to as I saw an amazing TikTok of people playing an NFL intro song and having their husbands come over like it's a uh, like it's the bell thing with the the crows where you ring a bell and the crow gets a gift like gets a treat and they they ring the bell again and the crow gets a treat it's like that with the NFL where we're all super addicted to the NFL not to mention also social media also exists now like video games TV um, movies, social media, stand-up comedy, recreation, all kinds of stuff are competing with sports that didn't exist before, and yet the NFL continues to be popular as all other sports become less popular. And the way the NFL has kept that broad audience together, in part, is with Tom Brady propaganda. It's not the biggest reason the NFL does. I, I'm not going to argue that Tom Brady propaganda is more interesting than that Bills-Chiefs playoff game last year, which might be the greatest football game of my lifetime. And at the same time, the NFL has gotten really good at selling you on entertainment value within sports. And so to bring it back to Tom Brady in 2020, they sold us on Tom Brady on the Bucks. They sold us on Tom Brady with the Bucks. They won the championship and it just kept booming with intrigue. Draft was massive intrigue. The NFL was doing awesome in the COVID pandemic. And it Tom Brady wasn't the person they were selling him on in the 2000s. When Tom Brady was less established, not as a star, but as a celebrity, as someone with real power in the sport, when Tom Brady was asked by the NFL to go to the White House for the, the uh, State of the Union in 2004, which he did, he was at George Bush's State of the Union with Laura Bush, you see that Tom Brady is going along with the NFL propaganda because it significantly benefits the Tom Brady brand. And now Tom Brady takes the propaganda boost from the NFL and he's not the same person that he was back on the Patriots because as we mentioned before, for 18 years, Tom Brady was willing to go along with the company line of the Patriot way and then he kind of gained his own conscience around 2016-2017, kind of like when you fall out of the Matrix. And I think the thing that partially did it to him was seeing Bill Belichick try and replace him and going to Robert Kraft and going over Belichick's head and getting his way in getting Jimmy Garoppolo traded. I think that was the starting point, according to Seth Wickersham. I know Tom Brady used his power in different ways before, 
but he was willing to go against the Patriot way because he wanted to because his interests stopped aligning with the Patriots' interests. For years they were together, and when they weren't, Tom Brady would swallow his pride and let Bill Belichick make the best move. And for better or for worse, like it messed up sometimes. Like Tom Brady kept taking pay cuts and it didn't work out. Like the Patriots would spend the money in wrong places. And that's why, you know, in part they didn't go to the championship for tw- for 11 years. Or they didn't win a cha- they went to 3, but they didn't win a championship for 11 years. And so one of the things that's interesting about that is Tom Brady amasses more power and the NFL doesn't want to pivot on selling the Tom Brady propaganda because it's really beneficial to the NFL to continue selling the Tom Brady propaganda because you get a broader audience that tunes in to Tom Brady football games. Or you can sell them on the storyline of, look at this 45-year-old man playing football and winning championships. This name everyone knows and recognizes six years after Peyton Manning, as Peyton Manning does ESPN megacasts. Look at this man doing all of this stuff now and continuing to be dominant. And Tom Brady gets the power that he always had and is willing to use it against organizations because now everyone is realizing from Aaron Rodgers to Kyler Murray, who again we're going to talk about in a second, everyone on down recognizes they have all of this power. And you can use it because organizations will cave They will cave to quarterbacks, or at least the 15 players who are superstar valuable, which most of them are quarterbacks, but Derrick Henry has this power, and Aaron Donald has this power, and TJ Watt technically has this power, and Miles Garrett does, and not a whole lot else. The rest are all quarterbacks. We're about to find out if Kyler Murray even has this power, and Kyler Murray's undoubtedly one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL, and we're about to find out if Kyler Murray has that level of power. And so those people specifically, of which Tom Brady is still one of them because he is an excellent quarterback and 20 teams would sell their souls to get Tom Brady the same way the Browns compromised all their morals, ethics, principles to get Deshaun Watson. People will do that for Tom Brady. Even Steven Ross will make him the president of his team while playing quarterback at 45 years old. And only a Brian Flores lawsuit will tank that possibility. And this is where I'm going to make the leap. The NFL wants the Tom Brady propaganda and the Tom Brady story of him being larger than life, universally commands respect, draws audiences in in his 40s. And the NFL doesn't think that this Tom Brady power move fits into the narrative they're trying to sell. They want you to talk about Kyler Murray. They want you to talk about salary caps and trades and things that generate interest in the offseason. They want you to talk about the draft. And they don't want you to talk about Tom Brady. I don't think that they want this to be associated with Tom Brady. We know Tom Brady doesn't want this to be associated with Tom Brady. I don't think even Tom Brady has the power and influence to sway the entire media Because ultimately the media moves with the cycles of what interests are. I talked about it earlier this week when we talked about Dwayne Haskins. How the story is going to move with the weekly cycle because Haskins is going to stop being interesting after a certain point of time. He's going to have his memorial service. We're not really going to take away lessons. The same way I want to keep talking about Henry Ruggs. 
We just as a society have decided that we're okay with a certain number of deaths every year due to drunk driving. And it's between 10 and 11,000 because it's been between 10 and 11,000 for the past six years, according to the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. So there's not much of a greater conversation to have after that. It just is a weekly news cycle. We, ex we you know, t t say, how could you be so ignorant to Henry Ruggs? And we move on. And in the NFL news cycle, even the people who at the most power sometimes can't control the news cycle. The NFL wanted you to suppress the Brian Flores lawsuit. We ended up doing six podcasts on it. And every network talked about it for a week straight. Dominated the week of the Pro Bowl. And that was the story that generated interest, even if it, it was at the detriment of the NFL. And it got casual sports fans talking about that. The same way Deshaun Watson has gotten casual sports fans, at least at the bare minimum, talking about the morals and ethics of sports teams, even if they aren't actually contemplating their morals and ethics around sports teams. The NFL doesn't want to talk about Tom Brady trying to steal an organization and get Bruce Arians gone in Tampa Bay. It's just move on with the news cycle. If we don't bring it up enough, people won't ask questions. And you can use fear and intimidation tactics with media and your propaganda arms because the NFL for years has built up their propaganda arms as NFL Network and to a certain extent ESPN. It's not exactly the same there, but their propaganda arms have gotten really, really good at controlling a large segment of the amount of people who watch sports casually. And that sometimes dominates the conversation while people who really, really care about sports and people who really, really know sports end up ha having these conversations on podcasts like this. And so it's interesting how it doesn't become a broader story and only becomes one in the niche and it hasn't caught on because you don't have the propaganda arms. And it feels like that is either deliberate or partially involved intentionally done by the NFL. I'm not sure exactly how deliberate the situation was, and yet the NFL doesn't want that to stick to the Tom Brady propaganda the same way Tom Brady doesn't have an interest in having this stick to the Tom Brady narrative. And so I think the combined forces there have kind of kept this out of the news stream of sorts because it's totally verifiable and definitely true. And it's interesting how it hasn't really caught on. The idea that Tom Brady was going to be an active player and president of the Miami Dolphins is kind of crazy. And it hasn't been the crazy news story of the NFL offseason that we thought it was going to be. It'll stay with us for a while. We'll have more chances to talk about it. And maybe at some point it'll catch on. I just thought there would have been an initial bump to that. And it's not going to happen on a broader level to casual sports fans. But that's because the NFL is a propaganda arm that controls the ma that controls mass media. I'm not going to say the mass media because putting the in front of media signifies something. NFL Network and ESPN have a large market share over NFL-related content and influence on how people engage with the stories of the day in the NFL or the stories of the week or the month or whatever it may be. That's how people engage with the NFL. And I think it's interesting how... The NFL doesn't have this being the story, even in a dry time in the NFL. It's not the story that generates engagement, even as the NFL draft is less engaging than last year, even as there aren't any quarterback moves to address. Even still, the NFL 
isn't willing to go to the Tom Brady might have actually started messing with the power because the power doesn't really want that one out there. So that's the leap I'm going to make, whether it's done intentionally or subtly. That's kind of something that the NFL doesn't want attached to this news cycle. But it's a really interesting story, and it dropped a week ago, and it hasn't really picked up the same steam. And I think that's kind of interesting. And I hadn't thought about it until the Lebetard show. And they brought up this idea. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good point. Like, this is kind of crazy that that's the case. But altogether, I think that uh, this story with the Tom Brady propaganda arc is kind of being kept under the rug just a little bit. And it's really, really interesting because, again, Tom Brady was going to be president and quarterback of the Dolphins at 45 years old with Sean Payton as his head coach. Like, remember how when Sean Payton retired, we talked about, well, if Sean Payton's going to return, it should be for an elite quarterback. So wait for the Dallas job to open. Wait for Arizona to open. Wait for the Chargers to open. He was just going to take Tampa's quarterback and give him the power and go to Miami. It's a power move. By even Sean Payton standards, he was going to take, if I can't get Kyler Murray and I can't get Justin Herbert and I can't get Dak Prescott right now, uh, let's just go to Miami and get Tom Brady. Let me have Tom Brady suit up with me the same way Deshaun Watson was kind of trying to attach himself to Brian Flores for a little bit there. Kind of a cool power move. Tom Brady can do it. He can pick the Hall of Fame coach, and he can basically take ownership of an organization, pick the team in part with Chris Greer, and have that level of power. Totally unprecedented in the sport. It would have been really cool, and I can't believe it almost happened. I almost wish it had happened, even if it meant Tom Brady was going to get that crazy level of power. Damn, I wouldn't. Have, I would have wanted to see it happen. I really would have wanted to see it happen, and it might still. Maybe wait till 2023. No matter what Tua does, would you keep Tua over 45-year-old Tom Brady? It's kind of what the Dolphins are about to decide on. And uh, maybe 2023, Tom Brady will, like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, it'll take two years to negotiate his exit from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he gave them a second year on their contract after the Super Bowl. And now he kind of regrets that decision. New sponsor alert. It's the good people over at CreditKarma.com sponsoring the Take It Easy podcast. Credit Karma can help you look for a low-interest personal loan that could help you save money while you pay off a purchase or pay down old credit card debt. Credit Karma compares loan offers for free, and it will not affect your credit score to use CreditKarma.com. If you're ready to apply, you can use the link in the description to this episode or head to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see your personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to find the loan for you. creditkarma.com slash loanoffers. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Speaking of spending two years to negotiate your exit... Let's talk about Kyler Murray, because we have the new revelations here on this fine, fine Friday, which is also a Sunday, but or a Thursday. But we have Kyler Murray putting out there, probably with Eric Burkhart, with Tom Pelissero, that Kyler Murray does not intend to play for the Arizona Cardinals another game until he gets a new contract. And... That could mean the Cardinals force trade options, could mean the Cardinals go to a trade route, 
all kinds of options. And by the way, if you're looking for really good Cardinals content, I recommend checking out the Red Rain podcast on SB Nation. I host it with Walter Mitchell. The link is in the description to this episode. I guess I produce it. I, I chime in when I can, but... Walter does a lot of the the research for these topics and doing all the stuff like that. I chime in when I can. It's very good. We've done some Kyler Murray podcasts. Walter has gone through a lot of anxiety around this situation, and I think he's gotten to a point where it'd be better to just move on than it would be to keep fighting this out. And simply put, the way I see this is that this is just a, a, a contract dispute, except Kyler Murray has more power in the contract dispute than any quarterback going back 20 years, at least in my lifetime. Kyler Murray has more power in this situation than anyone other than Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, who have all done it in the past three years. And Kyler Murray has that level of leverage, but not as much as Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson had simply because Kyler Murray is young, Kyler Murray is under team control for a little bit, and Kyler Murray is just not the same caliber of quarterback at this moment as Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson, just not a body of work that gives him leverage, and he doesn't have a no-trade clause in his contract. And so Kyler Murray is in an interesting place where he is asking for whatever he's asking and the Cardinals are paying whatever they're paying and there's a there's a pretty big gap between where that number is I'm not going to say it's astronomical but let's say for example here that the Cardinals are offering 40 million a year that's what Derek Carr just got I don't think they're going to argue that Kyler Murray is worse than Derek Carr considering Kyler Murray has been top 10 in passer rating the last th- in each of his first three seasons made two Pro Bowls and before his injury earlier this season was an MVP candidate and the Cardinals were 8-0 I know I don't like using wins as a quarterback stat just pointing out that the team was 8-0 and wins will be conducive to owners who make the decisions and GMs who make the decisions deciding to sign a quarterback again the, the Cardinals were really good because they have Kyler Murray if you replaced Kyler Murray with, say, Colt McCoy, the Cardinals would go from being a playoff team to last place in the NFC West. So Kyler Murray is conducive to wins. I just don't want to give Kyler Murray all the credit for their wins. And by the way, I'm of the opinion that Arizona gets a pass for how last season ended because DeAndre Hopkins was hurt, J.J. Watt was hurt, Kyler Murray was hurt. At the end of the season, that's like three of your four best players all got hurt at the end of the season. So you get a pass for how that ended. You still made the playoffs. You had Max Garcia trying to block Aaron Donald. And the game was over in the second quarter because they just had no chance offensively. And Arizona should want to sign Kyler Murray to the long-term extension at whatever the price is because the alternative is you trade the best player that you have had in your franchise in the last 20 years. They've had players that are more skilled at other positions. Chandler Jones might have been the best edge rusher in the NFL for a time. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the two best wide receivers in the NFL. Kyler Murray is at best the seventh best quarterback in the NFL. But he's one of the top 10, and because of how valuable that position is, Kyler Murray holds extreme value in the sport because he is a superstar. And he dictates so much of the game because of the position that he plays. Kyler Murray is the most valuable player the Arizona Cardinals have had in the last 15 years. And so he has the most leverage and power over the organization because when you give a quarterback that caliber of contract, they assume a certain level of power in a salary cap sport. 
it's really interesting how that works out. So Kyler Murray gets the giant contract. And because he can't make $80 million a year, which is what Kyler Murray would make on a free and open market if there were no salary cap, because he can't get that, and every team can essentially pay Kyler Murray the same amount of money, at least every team that would want Kyler Murray can pay Kyler Murray the same amount of money, Kyler Murray gets power from whatever organization acquires him. Power is going to be the differentiator if Kyler Murray cares about getting money and getting power within an organization. I'm not saying that's 100% what Kyler Murray wants. It's just a natural inclination that, well, what is my incentive to sign with your team if everyone can offer the exact same amount of money? And the Arizona Cardinals aren't exactly the best-run organization, and they haven't exactly caped up for Kyler Murray over the past three seasons. He has been thrown to the wolves at times by Arizona media and the Arizona Cardinals. Some deserve, some not. I just don't know Kyler Murray that well to give an answer on that. So if the gap between what the Cardinals are offering is, say, $40 million and Kyler wants $50 million, well then, the, and they're not going to come to a compromise, then this is where everyone works within the margins. So what is the $10 million gap? Well, people are arguing that Kyler Murray doesn't work hard. I know Walter brings up the fact that Kyler Murray said that Running is a luxury for Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray come get um, Kyler Murray refused to go back into the game at the end. And Eric Burkhart, his agent, is making as as Walter likes to call it a uh, ultimatum with the Cardinals about what his future is going to be. And so all of this stuff is are things that can figure out what is the ten million dollar gap. What why is Kyler Murray not worth what Kyler Murray is asking? And I think Kyler Murray's camp, to a certain extent, is saying, well, why is Kyler Murray worth this? Because that's what the market dictates quarterbacks are worth, now that seven quarterbacks make over $40 million a year, and Kyler Murray wants to build a deal that in the short term is cap-friendly, that reflects kind of what the Deshaun Watson deal was at best, and again, it's gross that Deshaun Watson got that contract. And at worst, looks kind of like what Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen got. Is Kyler Murray that caliber of quarterback? No. Russell Wilson is not that caliber of quarterback anymore, and he has the same level of contract there. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are like the third and fourth highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL behind Watson at 53 a year and Aaron Rodgers at 50 mil a year and Russell Wilson at like 46, Mahomes 45, Josh Allen 43, Prescott 40, Dak Prescott 40, Matt Stafford 41. But like other than Derek Carr, all of those are some level of tier one or tier two quarterback. And Matthew Stafford is tier two and a half. And you could argue Dak Prescott's also tier two and a half, but I'd argue Dak Prescott is tier two. So Kyler Murray at least gets around 45 a year by that standard. Maybe he's asking for 50 and they compromise at 45. Whatever offer the Cardinals have not given Kyler Murray is what the Cardinals value Kyler Murray at. So the Cardinals have a certain value they give to Kyler Murray. I'm not sure what that value is, but there's a certain value they have towards Kyler Murray. And if he doesn't match that level, then they're willing to ride it out as it stands. But if you're Kyler Murray, and this is the thing I articulated months ago when this was first becoming a thing, you cannot play another game for the Arizona Cardinals. Because at the worst, if Kyler Murray has a Baker Mayfield season next year, has a cataclysmic injury... Someone will pay him $100 million. Kyler Murray can't take the $150 million risk of 
going from five years, $250 million to four years, $100 million. Kyler Murray can't take that risk. Lamar Jackson can take that risk because Lamar Jackson will get a max contract no matter what. Or he'll get a 45 to $50 million contract no matter what. And so Kyler Murray can't assume $150 million risk unless Kyler Murray is willing to assume that $150 million risk. And if you're Kyler Murray, I'm not going to be the one to tell you to just shut up and play when you're the one assuming the $150 million risk. Hell yeah, I'm not going to take $150 million risk on my career. If I can get that money guaranteed right now, hell yeah, I'm going to do it. And if it's not going to come from the Arizona Cardinals, there are 20 teams that will line up to pay him that money. If all those teams were lined up to pay Deshaun Watson with everything that's going on around him and he got $53 million fully guaranteed, there will be dozens of teams lined up to trade for Kyler Murray. So he knows if the Cardinals won't pay 45, someone will. And if he's willing to make the leverage play of holding out, he might get his way, he might not. It's going to be a standoff for months and months and months. He's not going to get traded before the draft. He's not going to get traded this year. He's not going to get traded into the offseason. The Cardinals are going to rub their feet similarly to how the Green Bay Packers did. And this is what we talked about with James Harden and Kyrie Irving in the NBA. And we talk about it with NFL stars like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson before Deshaun Watson had all the sexual crimes brought against him. I know they weren't crimes weren't filed against him. Sexual predatory behavior against 22 plus women. Before all of that, how ugly are you willing to make it? How much are you willing to burn bridges in the place that you play in order to get the thing that you want? Because with Kyrie Irving, he was willing to put his name out there on anti-vaxxing. He was willing to decry his good name and have everyone turn against him and everyone think he was a loon. And ultimately, he got everything he wanted out of the power move and used some of Kevin Durant's power too. Aaron Rodgers presumably got everything he wanted out of his power move. Russell Wilson presumably got everything he wanted out of that power move. He got to go to the place he wanted to play for with the contract he wanted to play with. Does Kyler Murray have that level of leverage and how ugly is Kyler Murray willing to make it? How long are you willing to play this out before he folds? And because I lean pro-labor generally in these situations, I'm going to back Kyler Murray all the way on this one. Yeah, the Cardinals are being cheap. Yeah, it's a salary cap sport, but it ain't my money. It ain't my franchise and I have the leverage to do so. As rich as you may think Kyler Murray is about to be and as much as entitled as you think Kyler Murray is about to be, Kyler Murray is also labor, and I'm going to back his fight if that's the fight he wants to make because I'm not going to decry his good name just because Kyler Murray wants a contract to be fully guaranteed. Yeah, fight for your salary raise, Kyler Murray. Set the precedent. Go fight for it. At least you're not Deshaun Watson. At least you're a semblance of a good man and have good character to fight for this. And so this was inevitable. Kyler Murray not going to play another game. You're damn right Kyler Murray shouldn't play another game. 100% Kyler Murray should not play another game. And I'm sure that sucks to hear Arizona Cardinals fans. But if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, you inevitably are loyal to management by a certain extent. Now, if you're willing to revoke your your, um, team and revoke your dollars 
as a precedent measure and you're going to back the players on the team instead of the laundry and the ownership and the general manager, yeah, that's fair. But when you root for a team, you're inevitably going to be a little bit pro-management. And I think that's why even before this contract dispute from covering the Cardinals a little bit, Cardinals fans have thrown Kyler Murray to the wolves a little bit. When I looked at last season, I'm like, well, everyone got hurt. That's why they lost to the Lions. That's why they lost four or five games. Everyone got hurt at the end of the season. They lost all of the... Rodney Hudson, even, who's like a second-tier player on that team, even he got hurt last season. Buda Baker got hurt in the playoff game against the Rams. Like, all of it was just incredibly bad luck for the Cardinals, the same way the, the Ravens had incredibly bad luck last season with injuries. And Kyler Murray... Again, top 10, like we, the thing that's happening now is like the character smearing is what does Kyler Murray do wrong when what Kyler Murray does well is incredibly physically gifted top eight passer, top eight pass or sorry, top 10 passer rating in the NFL each of the last three seasons, top eight in his rookie year and his second year. I think it was fifth or in his third year. I think it was fifth in the NFL. Kyler Murray is a two-time Pro Bowler, which, by the way, is more than Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford has only made one Pro Bowl. Kyler Murray has now made two. Kyler Murray is as good as Justin Herbert and as good as Dak Prescott, and Kyler Murray is incredible at football. And he might ha- he deserves whatever the market dictates those quarterbacks are worth. And Kyler Murray, even if Kyler Murray doesn't live up to the expectations, because I don't think he, like, there's a percentage chance that he becomes Jared Goff, or there's a percentage chance he becomes Baker Mayfield. At the same time, Kyler Murray is in an interesting place because if you're a Cardinals fan, I don't understand. Don't you want to find out? Like, if you give up now and you say to hell with him, well, you're just relegating yourself to another rebuild. And you're relegating yourself to the most talented player you've had in your franchise. Sure, you might get another generational quarterback and it'll all work out. You look around for one of those for like 40 years and you never found one. So like, what are the odds? I know they're more prevalent than ever before, but like, what are the odds you're going to find another one of those? The odds you're going to find another Kyler Murray are almost zero. I mean, it's all like, ask the Jets, ask the Dolphins, ask the Lions, ask Pittsburgh now. Like, it's so hard to find one of those special quarterbacks and develop one of those special quarterbacks. And even if Kyler Murray never gets better than the seventh best quarterback in the NFL, which people have concerns about his work ethic and getting along with teammates and leadership and all that stuff, which is fair to a certain extent those people know more like people reporting it know more about him than i do and so i can take those with a grain of salt and also acknowledge that this is a bit of a character smear by the cardinals because look where the sourcing is coming from on some of those stories even if he never gets better than that that still makes the cardinals pretty freaking good like it doesn't make them championship good but like a lot of teams don't become championship good and the alternative is like what the Broncos did with with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson doesn't make them a champion, but it makes them significantly better than if they didn't have Russell Wilson. And so tanking doesn't always lead to winning. Like tanking sometimes just gets you back to the middle because only so many teams can get generational talents. The Cardinals have one of those. He might not be Patrick Mahomes good. He might not be Lamar Jackson good, but he's better than Derek Carr. 
and better than Derek Carr. Derek Carr's gotten like 10 years with the Raiders and two playoff appearances. Like the Raiders would take that. And if you're the Cardinals, I think you take it. At least find out. Like, don't you want to find out if he's going to be better than a top five quarterback? Or And the only way to find out is by giving him the contract extension now. Because otherwise you're going to alienate and isolate him and go into a holdout and possibly lead to a trade and, you know, make him have to fight the organization and make him fight the the, the media. And like, don't you want to find out? Don't you want to find out if he's great? Even if you're Steve Kime and like you're running the Cardinals, like, don't you want to find out if he's special? And if it takes giving him a contract now, which is the precedent the NFL has created because of the system that it's set up where you can get a contract after your third year, and he's proven that he's at least a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, which means he's superstar caliber, and don't you want to at least know if it's going to work out? Even if it doesn't, even if he becomes an albatross contract and you can't build a winner around him, don't you at least want the chance that he's going to be a transcendent quarterback that helps you make a Super Bowl just like Joe Burrow did in a random NFL playoffs? Especially in an NFC that doesn't really have a truly dominant power right now. I just, I feel like, wouldn't you want to know the answer? Wouldn't you want to find out? Maybe it's going to take years for Kyler Murray to get out of there, but I'm not going to tell him to take a $150 million risk. If I were in his position, I would not play another game. He's got to do what he's got to do. Ain't nobody accepting a $150 million risk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. There might be a Wired Up coming at you this week. I might be interested in doing a shall we say another oral history. We'll see if I have the time this weekend, but be on the lookout for that. If not, we'll talk to you on Monday. Have a fantabulous weekend, everybody, and take it easy. We'll talk to you again on Monday or Sunday. Be on the lookout for more content. Download other content. There's all kinds of episodes all over the place. Have a great weekend, everybody.